This is from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the Lord, word of the Lord. Thank you. Good afternoon again, and Merry Christmas. Uh, this is a unique kind of Christmas because it falls on a Sunday, and it's also the last Sunday of the calendar year. And I wonder uh, if we were to kind of look back on 2022, how much of what happened this past year went according to our hopes and expectations? I wonder if you're anything like me, were we sometimes let down by our own inconsistencies? Maybe we're driven into the ground by our commitments. Perhaps we were pleasantly surprised. For those of us who believe in God, perhaps we're led to wonder sometimes, where is God in all of this? Because sometimes God's handiwork, it seems clear to us. But at other times, I feel like we're kind of in the dark. On this Christmas day, what keeps us trusting in God? What allows us to continue to trust in the Lord? And it is that God faithfully keeps his word. As a church, we have spent the past month on the book of Isaiah, the prophet, and we've seen his version of the gospel that points to Jesus. So actually, we're going to kind of learn to see through the eyes of Matthew today by looking back at Isaiah. Because what we just read, that's kind of how it went down. Matthew was able to kind of look at Isaiah and see God's faithfulness that way. So we'll get into Matthew 1, but before that, we'll revisit briefly Isaiah chapter 7 to better understand the Christmas story that Matthew tells and we'll see how God is faithful to keep his word, his promise in Jesus. A little reminder and context for us. There's a nation of Judah, and it is in turmoil. Why? Because there's a Syrian empire, the biggest, baddest bullies on the block. And they're ready to take over anyone in their path. So there's Judah, there's Assyria. Assyria is about to take over. And so the two neighboring kingdoms of Judah, Israel and Aram, these two kings, they go to Judah's king, Ahaz, and they're like, hey, let's form an alliance. If we form an alliance in partnership, then maybe we'll stand a chance when, when the Assyrians come. 
So let's do this thing together. But you know what King Ahaz from Judah said? It's like, I don't know. They're pretty big. If you can't beat them, why don't we just join them? So King Ahaz from Judah, he says, you know what? Actually, I'll pass. I'm just going to join Assyria. <laughs> I'm just going just to let them kind of take over. I'm just, I'm going to join. I'm going to be on their side. And so this angers these two other kings who are their neighbors. And so what they say is, we're going to now invade you. We're going to invade you. We're going to force you on our side. We're going to even install a puppet king to do all that. So it is a mess. Do you understand? Like, this is really messy. And so Ahaz is very troubled, and he's more fearful of this invasion from his neighbors than Assyria. Because now he's on Assyria's side, but he's about to be taken over by his neighbors. And why this is important is because he's a king of Judah. Judah was a tribe of Israel. And why Judah is important is because Judah was kind of this unlikely tribe out of which an unlikely family was chosen. And in this unlikely family, there was an unlikely son, an unlikely hero, who became an unlikely king, who was David. And this David, years before, he was chosen by God because God's faith and trust in God pleased him. And God promised eventually that David, that David's throne would somehow be within his family line forever. That his throne would be established eternally, forever. And that's a strange and crazy kind of promise, isn't it? Because how many kingdoms, how many political lines and families do you know that last forever? They don't. That's not how it works. They come and go. So God had promised David of Judah that he's going to preserve his line, that he's going to establish his kingdom. That's the old promise. Someday, out of David, a much greater eternal king would come. So Judah is important in the story of God. And we see God keep that promise again and again to David by preserving this lineage. So fast forward again to King Ahaz of Judah. Ahaz is from the line of David, and he is terrified of this alliance. And God meets, he speaks to Ahaz right then and there, and he says, don't worry about your neighbors. I'll worry about them. I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to continue to keep my promise to you and your family. And he assures Ahaz that there's no need to worry as long as Ahaz trusts God. So I'm going to read for us this interaction that he has in Isaiah chapter 7. Mind you, this is kind of how Matthew, who's telling the story of Jesus, is viewing things. Look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10. Again, not the first time, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I'll not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And so Isaiah, just God's messenger, said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Here's what's going on here. God speaks to Ahaz. Because Ahaz, clearly, he's, he's acting out of fear. He's trying to kind of rationalize things, and he's, he's trying to preserve himself. So he's aligning himself with Assyria, 
which was never in God's plan. He was not supposed to do this. He's supposed to trust the Lord that the Lord will preserve certainly his kingdom and his people. But he chooses to align himself with this enemy foreign force. And he's trying to play all these politics. And so God speaks to Ahaz. He intervenes. He steps in. And he makes clear to Ahaz that these are my plans, my purpose for you. I'm going to protect you. I will preserve you. I will rescue you if you trust in me. Don't go down that route. And do you note here that he's, he's, he's referred to as the house of David. So this is a reminder. It's like, house of David, remember, you are from the line of David. This promise that I had to your forefather, I'm still keeping it. I'm still faithful to you. And so what God is saying here to Ahaz is like, ask me a sign. I know your faith is weak. I know that you're worried. I know that all the circumstances around you don't seem like it's going to go in your favor. And it seems like it'll only get worse. So to bolster your faith, to strengthen you, to confirm that what I am telling you is true and that you can trust me, ask me a sign. It could be anything, anything you want. So it's an open invitation. Can you imagine if the Lord said to you, it's like, ask me anything you want, literally anything. Whatever will convince you, I will do it so that you can trust in me. And Ahaz says something that is like, it's like falsely humble. It's like fake humble. He says, oh no, I can't, I can't test the Lord. I can't ask of you a sign. That seems kind of humble to begin with because we see in other parts of the Bible that people who tried to test God, it did not really go well for them. But this time it's different. God is actually inviting Ahaz, no, ask of me a sign. It's for your benefit. I'm trying to help you in your faith. I am here for you. But Ahaz rejects God's invitation. By rejecting God's invitation and God's prophet, Ahaz, he forgets about God's promise. He chooses to not trust God at his word. Before we move on, I wonder, what keeps us trusting in God? What allows us to continue trusting in God? Do we trust God at his word? Because this is how faith in God begins. God invites us. He invites us. He calls out to us. In our moments of uncertainty and crisis, the Lord steps in and intervenes so that we might trust in him. Primarily for us today, how God speaks to us, it is centered on God's revealed word and will in the Bible, in Scripture. And I wonder if, like Ahaz, we can relate, and it is so tempting, it is so tempting to just kind of reject God's words, like, no, I'd rather not. Maybe it's more convenient if we just kind of twist around what God says so that it better suits our lifestyle and our liking. But can we learn from Ahaz's blunder and to actually ask of the Lord and to be ready to receive what God himself speaks through his word? In order to begin to trust God, we need to take him at his word as he speaks to us. 
So Ahaz, he rejects God's invitation to trust him. Yet despite the king Ahaz's unfaithfulness, God shows that he's still going to remain faithful to his promise to David. So God shows Ahaz a sign anyway. And the sign itself is a little strange because it contains both kind of good and bad, both God's judgment and hope. So if we continue on in this, in this verse, in verse 14 in Isaiah, this is what Isaiah says, speaking on behalf of God. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. So since Ahab doesn't ask for a sign when he had the opportunity to, God says, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you a sign that's a sign of my faithfulness, that I'll preserve you, that somehow out of all this, there'll be salvation and goodness. And the sign is this, a virgin, or quite literally a young woman who is of the age to marry, will at some point conceive and bear a son. And before this boy is old enough to know better, these two neighboring kings that are threatening to invade Judah, those guys will be disposed of. There'll be no more. So it's a very real timeline. He says, listen, and most likely that actually happened. We don't know exactly who this virgin woman is. But according to this right here, and in history, we know in 732 BC, two, three years after this prophecy was given, it actually happened. The two neighboring kings were disposed of. There were no more. So this sign was actually a sign of God's salvation. He actually preserved, continued to preserve Judah and Ahaz. But this also comes with some judgment. In the very next verse in 17, it says, And the Lord will bring upon you and upon your people, upon your father's house, your David's house, such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Meaning, yeah, there is going to be a real cost and consequence to your decisions. You've decided to align yourself with Assyria and not trust in me. Well, I'm gracious to preserve you and faithful to keep my promise to David. And yet, there's real consequences that Ahaz must now face. And he says, if you're going to align yourself with Assyria, they are going to take over. They're going to take over and cause trouble for you and your people in ways that you don't even know. And as scary as that is, I think the strange and the mysterious part about this that's not that straightforward is a sign of hope. Read verse 14 again. The sign is, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It's not entirely too strange that a young woman would conceive and, and bear a son and, and in due time when the son is of a certain age, yes, these things will pass. That's not, that's not the kind of strange part. It's his name will be Emmanuel. We find that actually the name Emmanuel means God with us. Who's us is the remnant of Israel, the ones, unlike Ahaz, who still held on 
and believed and trusted in God, despite the circumstances. They were still faithful to God. God with us. Meaning, even in the scary judgment that God just proclaimed through Isaiah, it's like, listen, you're going to have a lot of trouble through Assyrian Empire. They're going to take over. This is going to be bad news for you. There's still hope because even in the coming days of social upheaval and war and invasion and eventually exile, God says, I will sh he shows that he will keep his promise and preserve his people. He says, Emmanuel. God with us. I am with you. So he inserts some hope in there. It's like, listen, these things are going to happen, but I am with you. I am with you. I am still with you. Even now, I'm going to be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. For those who trust in the Lord, you are mine. Now, if we see the Gospel of Matthew, hundreds of years later, Matthew has this perspective. He helps us see more clearly how God is faithful to keep his word, why God is so trustworthy that we can keep on believing and following after the Lord at his word. What Ben just read moments ago in Matthew chapter 1, I'll read for us again in verse 18 to 21. See how God is faithful and keeps his word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I think what's beautiful about Matthew, as he's writing his gospel, his perspective is, it's not something new per se. He's actually continuing on. He's showing us from the Old Testament for generations and generations how God has been faithful again and again and again over many years and over many ups and downs, how God has been faithful to continue to keep his promise, that God has been faithful and so there's some parallels here because, really, again, this is a continuation of a story that we kind of heard in Isaiah. And this story is now being more perfectly, completely fulfilled. So just a few parallels here as the story continues on, as Matthew shows us that, no, God is continuing to be faithful through it all. Do we see how God he speaks and invites Mary and Joseph to trust him. He initiates that. That's his call, his invitation for his people to trust in him. And what's different from Ahaz's story, though, is that Mary and Joseph, they do trust in God. Not because it was easier, per se, 
it was still difficult. It was still filled with uncertainty. In fact, later on, we see that even after they, they had faith in God and, 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 and Jesus is born, they faced danger. They had to run from home. But God, he intervenes and he speaks and invites Mary and Joseph to trust him. We see clearly that Joseph, he is a son of David. He comes from the lineage of David. And many assumed when they heard this promise that God promised long ago to David, that somehow this Messiah, this anointed one, the chosen one, the Savior, eternal King, would be of royal blood. Somehow he would have status and power. It's not what God meant. It went against our expectations. He was an unlikely choice from an unlikely family, from an unlikely king. Joseph, the son of David, God is showing that I'm still faithful, faithfully after all this time, keeping that promise that this Savior will come out of the house of David. And God himself is giving this sign. And this sign is that same sign, isn't it, that Isaiah received? He himself is faithful to save. A sign that is, what, a virgin bearing a son. This time it says what? And this boy's name will be Jesus. And Jesus, same name as Joshua. Jesus and Joshua are the same name, right? Yeshua, if if you're familiar with that name. That name means God saves. And you know what it says? Because you should call his name Jesus. You should call his name God saves. Because he will save his people from their sins. In the original language Greek, it becomes a little more, more kind of clear because it's the emphatic, which means not just he will, but he himself. He himself will save his people from their sins. Who can do that but God himself? Only God. And how does that even work? Because Jesus himself humbled himself on a cross, and Jesus himself raised himself up again. Only God. We see that God is faithful to preserve and save his people, that he kept his word all along. And Matthew, when he writes his gospel, he sees this. He's able to kind of notice this storyline and sees this, and he helps connect the dots for us. So he references Isaiah directly to show that God keeps his word in the more perfect way. In Matthew 1, and 23, he says this, And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This boy, this child to be born, Jesus, he was like, unlike any other child who was named similarly. Whereas any other child that was born even just by God's grace and anointing and favor, they always was just a normal human kid who was a symbol, a sign that pointed to God and reminded people that God saved us. But this Jesus, he is God who saves us. Perhaps there was a, really a little boy named Emmanuel in Isaiah's day that was born. 
And yet, unlike that Emmanuel, Jesus, who is also called now Emmanuel, God with us, isn't just a reminder that God is with us. He is. He really is God with us. So what keeps us trusting in God? It's that God kept his promise by sending Jesus. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is the God who is faithfully preserving us and saving those who trust in him. God shows up for us. God actually dwelt among us in Jesus. The way God is faithful to save us is by coming bodily, fully God, fully human, in Jesus. Jesus is God, and Jesus himself will be faithful to lay down his life and save us from the power of sin, conquering death, defeating evil, so that anyone who believes in him may have the fullness of life in him. In other words, the way God meant for his word to be perfectly fulfilled, the way God kept his promise all along, so that those who hear it would turn from our sinful ways and find forgiveness and life in God, that way is through Jesus. This is the good news of this Christmas day, this Christmas today, and God is inviting us to trust Jesus, that Jesus is God with us, that God is faithful all along to love us and forgive those who trust in Jesus' name. We can count on God keeping his word. When we're in doubt, when it's so uncertain, when our situation seems just so like incomplete, unresolved, unlikely, we're not sure how faithful God is, the sign, the ultimate sign that shows that God is indeed faithful, that we can keep trusting in him, is Jesus. It's that God sent Jesus to fulfill all of that, the word, his word and promise, literally becoming flesh. Jesus is that perfect sign of God keeping his promise for our good and for his name. So how might we respond? How might we respond? How might we keep trusting God in actually our, our day-to-day lives? I encourage us, can we trust God at his word? In this coming year, as we interact, as we, as we familiarize ourselves with who God is and his purposes, by reading his word, we can be on our own in smaller groups as a church? Can we trust God at his word? And there will be times, there should be times, when we read and hear God's word and it kind of makes us uncomfortable, right? It's like, oh, I don't know if I like the sound of that. We'll have an Ahaz-like reaction. Does it make sense? If we're, if we're kind of if all we're ever hearing from God's word, your reaction is, oh, yeah, totally agree. Mm-hmm. That, yep, that's great. Might have to be a little careful because God's truth and his word, one of the effects is that it can confront us in ways that we are not yet conformed to his truth. And so it should, at times, 
when we hear God's truth and his word, his promises, make us a little uncomfortable. I don't know, really? And that's a natural desire, that's a kind of a natural reaction. But even in those times when we have an Ahaz-like reaction, I don't know. Can we trust God at his word? If you're not so sure, look to this Christmas day. Because the way God faithfully keeps his promise, the way God is true to his word, the way God is good and is for us and is with us, that he sent his son, Jesus. Can we be reassured that Jesus is with us? You know, as we, as we look back at 2022, as we're closing out this year, kind of like Matthew was able to look back and he was able to see, as he looked back at Isaiah and all the prophets and kind of the storyline, he was able to kind of see even the messy parts. He was able to connect the dots and able to see just places and ways that God was really with his people all along. So as you look back at 2022, other times and places and ways that God was with you, preserving you. Maybe this is a time for us to reflect. Even in times when God's presence may have not been so obvious, I wonder, has there been a loss in your life? But in our grief, maybe that pointed us to God's comfort. Where it was in our grief where God's presence was that much more real. this past year, there was, has there been a missed opportunity? Missed opportunities, like, ah, oh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. But where you now see God was revealing something about maybe where you're really placing your hope. And perhaps in that disappointment was redirecting you. Or has there been a painful departure in your life? Where you can now find some relief that God was protecting you and sustaining you. And perhaps, as we look back, Lord's presence, his goodness, his faithfulness. Even now, it's not so clear. It's not very obvious. In pretty good company, even a prophet like Isaiah, and faithful people like Mary and Joseph, it wasn't always clear to them either. 
They were like in it. Another gospel writer, Luke, he says in his gospel that as Mary was carrying this child and was going through all this, all of this and seeing angels and just experiencing these miracles and breakthroughs and just crazy things, and even still, she wasn't quite sure what it all meant yet. It wasn't immediately clear. That's what trusting in God sometimes feels like. Like, I, okay, I think this is what God's saying through his word. I want to follow. And yet, man, this is, it's still uncertain. It's still, the Lord's goodness doesn't seem so obvious to me yet. And Luke says what Mary did was she treasured and pondered these things in her heart for a while. It's not clear to us now that God is faithfully with us and preserving us. Take heart. It's okay. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves a crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to you. So we'll find your comfort and peace. patient with you, and inviting you to look to him once more. It's truly a wondrous mystery how God keeps his word, and how God shows up and shows us his faithfulness, how he shows us his faithfulness is sending his own son, Jesus. The good news of Christmas today is that God kept his promise by sending its own son, that God is with us. He is faithful to save us. So let's look to Jesus once more. Let's turn to our Lord once more, even in the uncertainty, and say, Lord, I don't know how things will turn out. I'm looking back at this year. I don't know how things will, there's, things are still not resolved. And I, don't, I have no idea what lays ahead in this new coming year. But Lord, I trust that you're faithful because you sent your son, Jesus. You are with your people all along, and you're with us now. Lord, I trust you, and help me in my faith to trust you once more. Let's pray together. Gracious God, you say in your word uh, through the prophet Isaiah that when you send out your word, it does not come back to you empty. That when you purpose good things for us, that when we turn from our sinful ways, when we put our faith in you, that what's waiting for us is compassion, your abundant pardon, your gracious salvation. And how that all works and how you faithfully keep your promise even now, even still. Your prophet says that my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. 
are higher. And so, God, uh, we look to you now. We look back on this past year, ready ourselves for a new season, a new year. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us, to your people, those who trust in you. Thank you, Lord, that your ultimate sign, your faithfulness, that you are with us, is that you really came to be with us by sending your son, Jesus. That when we look to Jesus, we can keep on trusting in you at your word. So help us, Lord. Help us along. Help those of us who are still reeling from pain and confusion from this past season. Comfort us, Lord. Help us to be a little more aware of your presence. Help us as a church, as your body, to really be that tangible hands and feet in service to one another. And renew us in our faith and our hope in you. That we can walk now in faithful obedience as you lead us in your goodness and mercy. Pray this in Jesus' name.